know their names, you know the organizations and businesses they lead. You might even know their faces, but do you know why they are difference makers? Hi, I'm Adam Van Bremer, the editorial page editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. Welcome to Difference Makers, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories and insights from Savannah's key players, the men and women who lead our city in commerce, in arts and culture, in philanthropy, in government, and as in today's episode, education. Georgia Southern University's interim president, Shelley Nickel, takes us inside the efforts to transform the school into a regional resource for education and the business community, and she also shares her insights on the future of higher education. Thanks for joining us, Madam President. So we've hit the highlights of your professional bio here. What else would the locals that want to know a little bit more about you, what would they find interesting about you? Well, thank you for having me today, Adam. I'm really excited to be here and talk about Georgia Southern. I grew up in the Pocono Mountains in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Um, My dad was a local newspaper editor. Yes. My mother was an elementary school teacher. Um, I think what that taught me, I guess, is that my dad being in the in the news business um, and my mom being a teacher, you're a well-known entity in a small town. Small town, for sure. Yeah, and so that's good because it keeps you on the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. It also um, makes you be somewhat opinionated because you hear a lot of opinion pieces being discussed at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also makes you resilient mm-hmm. um, because it's um, you have to hear people disagreeing with some things that maybe your dad wrote an article about in the local newspaper. That's right. You end up defending him, or did you? Did it make you take other angles against against him, or how did that? I think early on, I totally defended him, right. and then once I realized. Yeah, you know, Dad, maybe that's just not right. <laughs> <laughs> There's more than one viewpoint in the world. Right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, away from the away from the dinner table. Growing up in the mountains, obviously the Poconos are, are a beautiful area. What did you? Uh, what did you? What were your pursuits beyond uh, beyond family and school? Well, I I did take advantage of everything, every opportunity that I got. You know partially because my mother pushed me into it. But also, I really enjoyed sports. I played field hockey. I was a gymnast. I was in the band, both uh, marching band and I played uh, oboe in the orchestra. And um, my mother had us in every choir, church and um, community choir, and took piano lessons. Um, it, It was, you know, a pretty normal childhood, but we had a lot of opportunities, yeah. and we did take advantage of them. Yeah, it kept you busy. I'm Absolutely. Sure. sure. So from there, you you went on to to Penn State, and uh, I guess I'd be curious as, as Stroudsburg, they have a, a liberal arts college there. There's a lot in that in that part of Pennsylvania. What led you to the big school and away from from maybe the small school close to home? Well, tons of of colleges and universities in Pennsylvania. Um, The Northeast is full of them. I think I applied to most of them. (laughs) Um, Was interested largely in private liberal arts colleges. Really was thinking I would have a career in public service. Finally, something came to me in the mail from Penn State. They had a degree called Community Development, and it really intrigued me. It sounded like something that I was really interested in. 
And so my dad and I took a trip uh, to University Park to State College, and I just fell in love. I, I can't describe it, but I knew that's where I wanted to be. Um, one of the best things I can say is I am still best friends with uh, a girl that I met on my very first day when I moved into the dorms. And I think that says a lot about what a positive college education um, can be. I still visit there, um, and, and I'm engaged um, in the university. Um, so I, I know what college can do um, for you as a young 18-year-old, and then also as an older professional. And as you got involved with the academic side and community development, I guess, you know, you obviously you were very involved in your community because your family ties at home. I'm sure that maybe dovetailed into college. You did some, some door-to-door, mm-hmm. some really micro work in terms of, of doing some studying for community development. Yes, as part of my um, community development program, we had to do an internship, and I chose a community organizing group that sent me to Des Moines, Iowa, in the middle of the winter, in a lot of cold weather, and as I think back, there was a commercial on TV that asked, are your hogs cranky? Yeah. <laughs> and I had never heard that before, so it was a different world for me. They bite. I can attest to that, <laughs> cranky so, or not. <laughs> yeah, this was some kind of fertilizer, I think, that was going to calm them down or um, feed anyway. So anyway, that was um, you know, a, the first experience I had of going door-to-door and trying to understand local communities' needs and things that they wanted to change and how to um, get them to organize on their own and solve some of their own problems. Mm-hmm. So you had that as an undergraduate micro level. Obviously, you went on to a career that takes things at more of a macro level. What how did you bridge that that gap? Well, I ended up getting a master's degree in public administration, also from Penn State. And my first job with that degree was in the governor's office um, in a management internship program. And the mission of that program was to give these 20 individuals an opportunity to view state government, in this case, Pennsylvania state government, from a really high level and to take a rotational um, time in different uh, state departments. So I really got to see um, state government from the highest level and start understanding how public policy impacted different areas and what the intended and unintended consequences are for some of those things. There's obviously a lot of complexity in Pennsylvania. You have a very, the western part of the state is a little bit different economically than the eastern part of the state, and that had to be just, if not eye-opening, overwhelming as well as eye-opening, right? It was eye-opening, that's that's for sure. Overwhelming, yes, obviously. And then I transferred that to my work when I went to the Governor's Office of Planning and Budget here in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I really loved having that um, viewpoint from way above and being able to analyze things and see how things fit together and try to figure out, okay, what's the best way for us to solve this problem? Right. Did you get recruited out of Pennsylvania to come to Georgia, or was there other? 
No, I ended up following um, actually an ex-husband now, and um, you never know where things are going to lead you, but it was one of the best decisions I ever made is coming to Georgia. Right. And from what I understand, I'm cheating here because I know a little bit of the story is you came to Georgia and you had a connection from Penn State here? I did. Um, It turns out that when I arrived in Atlanta, one of the first people I looked up was a former professor of mine at Penn State. He had recently moved to Georgia State University as a faculty member, and he had connections with um, Georgia State government. He got me an interview um, with the governor's office of planning and budget, and that's how I got hired. So it was, you know, remarkable. Right, right. Well, let's use that to segue a little bit into what's going on at Georgia Southern now. And uh, obviously, you come out at a time when when the school is going through a lot of changes and a whole big picture analytical view probably would really benefited you there. What what have you discovered in your in your short time there, and and how has it all kind of come together for you, or has it come for you, together for you? Yeah. What I'd like to say about um, Georgia Southern and and people involved in Georgia Southern, they are very full of pride for Mm -hmm. the university. Um, They love it. And I'm talking about not just the students and faculty and staff, but people in the community. Um, They really love that university. And there's so much to be um, thankful for, the academic programs, the athletics, um, so many things that that we do very well. Uh, I've talked with many employers in the region, and they are um, very excited about our graduates. And it's because they come uh, not only with the theoretical reasoning on how to do the job, but they have had um, on-the-job experience, co-ops. We do a lot of co-op and on-the-job training before students even graduate. So they, they love our graduates. And um, as a college administrator, that's what you want to hear. That's right. Along those same lines, we have some new offerings here for students. Can you kind of walk us through what's new? Absolutely. Um, we're really excited about the, the new academic programs that we're offering um, this year at our Savannah campus, um, the Armstrong campus. Um, we have a bachelor's degree in economics, um, one in logistics. Um, we have three years of our engineering program here available. We have a master's degree in public health. And we're looking at the potential for a hospitality um, program for in the future. So we feel like the colleges that we moved here and the new programs that we have available will really be um, are responding to the needs of business and industry and employers here in uh, the Savannah region. Circling back just real quickly on that hospitality, it's not just a matter of of the basic nuts and bolts hospitality, right? You're talking more holistic, more comprehensive in terms of Absolutely. We're not just talking about culinary or or those kind of, of normal uh, tourism things. We're, we're talking about um, what they – that they – uh, call the Disney experience. So now you make a reservation for a hotel on your telephone, on your iPad or iPhone or whatever, and you pick up just a key when you walk in the door because you've already checked in. So having you know the technology resources and the customer service resources and all of those things that go into um, the human experience of uh, hospitality here in this region is what we're looking for. And I know those were those are some of the tenets of something you talked about at a convocation speech earlier in the month called this 
the student success plan. Mm-hmm. Is there anything uh, else about that plan that can kind of walk us through? Well, I, I think everything that we do as a university needs to think of, we need to make decisions based on what's best for our students. Mm-hmm. And that's what I believe, and that's how I think about things. And we don't need to think about what's good for the university. So looking at things through that lens makes you um, take down those barriers for students um, for getting into college mm-hmm. and staying there and then graduating. Mm-hmm. So it's all things about financial aid and trying to make that as easy to access as possible, which, you know, is very tricky. Uh, lots of, of paperwork involved there and, and um, information. But also thinking about, you know, how do we have the courses and the classes available for students when they need it um, so that they can progress? How can we be flexible in terms of the times that classes are available? Um, And just thinking about things in general um, with their interest in mind. How is that being received? I know that that change can sometimes be difficult, but from what I understand, when you rolled it out, earlier in the month that you got a lot of good questions a lot of good conversation instead of maybe people filling in the vacuum with their own thoughts that that you've been pretty pleased with with the the level of understanding and and the the uh the eagerness in order to make all this happen from absolutely i i have been really pleased at um the reception to um, moving forward as a consolidated university. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we have um, really one major hurdle uh, to get through, and that's a visit by our accrediting agency, which will occur later in September. And once that happens, um, consolidation will have a conclusion, and we can move on as that new university. Okay. And I think that has energized people. Um, you know, consolidations are tough. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of time uh, to make sure you're making the right decisions and doing the work involved with that. But now we want to move on and we want to be this new you. Mm-hmm. And we want students and families to understand what we're all about and what's available where. And now you have choices. You can go to three different campuses. You can take classes on all three if you choose um, or online. And, you know, I think it's, it's time for us to show um, what that new face of Georgia Southern is. Yeah, and part of that, of course, is something that I know in, in your short time here you've endeavored to do, and that's kind of try to balance the traditions is probably the best way to say it. You did the, the traditional watermelon cutting. You did it here in Savannah as well as at the traditional home in Statesboro and the football team and some of the athletic programs were here mm-hmm. last week. Where do you see that going, and do you see that, the Armstrong and the the Statesboro campuses are starting to feel a little bit more as a as a larger community at this point. Um, I think we're you know we're getting there. I wouldn't you know say that we're there yet. I think, but what I think we need to understand is that we need each of these campuses has a distinct culture, mm-hmm. and we need to honor that culture and those traditions and continue some of them individually, but develop new ones that really do tie all three of the campuses together. And I don't know what those are yet. Um, Those are yet to be um, thought of. Um, I think they will come about naturally as we work together um, over the miles that that do separate us. That's one of the frustrations I hear with people that, you know, they have to 
drive back and forth between the campuses. I think eventually that will be more comfortable because people will be more um, at ease using technology and web services rather than having to get in their car. But it's good for them to now do it so that they get to know people mm-hmm. face-to-face. Um, so I, th- I think, you know, we're, we're still thinking about, you know, what those new traditions um, will look like. And I, I think there'll be, you know, some really exciting things. Mm-hmm. Before we dig in real deeply on some higher education issues, the other thing that's come up a lot with Georgia Southern in, in basically in the last week is the whole idea that the president's search, the committee was named last week. Uh, I understand that you are not a candidate, uh, but you're obviously involved with the process. Can you kind of talk about that search and, and where we go from here? Uh, absolutely. Um, that'll be one of the most important things the university will do over the next several months. The chancellor has named a committee, as you mentioned, it's 18 members. He will be coming to campus um, along with um, some regents on Wednesday to charge the committee. Mm-hmm. And um, the committee then, their responsibility is to search and screen. So they will try to get as many qualified good candidates into the pool and then screen them. And then their job is to send three to five unranked um, candidates to the Board of Regents um, search committee. And I say this, I've done some of these searches, I say this, I'll repeat it many times, not two and not six. It's between three and five and they are unranked. So the committee has to be willing that any one of those three or five uh, candidates would be a good choice for the new president of Georgia Southern University. And then the Regents Committee will interview them, and they will make a recommendation to the board, and we will have a new president hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Yes. Not to press you on a a dateline, but uh, 2018, 2019? I would say, um, given the way these typically go, the earliest would be January. Um, you know, you have to think about what this person's role is currently and whether they will be able to extricate themselves from their current duties. So um, that would be the earliest that I would see someone being available. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's take a break, catch our breath, and then we'll dive into the, the nerding out part of the discussion. <laughs> this episode of Difference Makers is brought to you by the Do Savannah Big Calendar. Get your concert, art exhibit, or fundraiser in Savannah's biggest community calendar. It's free to add your event at dosavannah.com backslash calendar. That's dosavannah, D-O, savannah.com backslash calendar. Back on Difference Makers with Georgia Southern Interim President Shelly Nickel. Shelly, let's talk a little bit about higher education issues and kind of the future of higher education. Now, we talked before we, we sat down for this, and you talked about the whole idea that in the future taking four to six years off in order to go to college may not be the the preferred method for for people in terms of higher education can you kind of talk about what you envision there well i i think that some people will still be able to do that but i think largely um we're going to have people who want to get into a job and they need a certain credential to do that, and then they want to move up in their job, and they need a credential to do that. And just being able to stack those credentials into a degree, I think, is probably the wave of the future for a lot of people. 
Um, and we as higher education institutions have to figure out how to allow people to do that with as much flexibility um, and nimbleness, I guess, as, as possible. Um, we're, I'm going to be hosting a summit um, in the near future and uh, for all the public higher education institutions in this region. And we're going to talk a little bit about the demographics, the changing demographics and population changes for Georgia and for the country and, for, of, of course, for southeast Georgia and that, how that's going to impact the way we provide higher ed um, in the future. We're, it's our responsibility not to all compete for the same student, mm-hmm. um, that we need to figure out how we can all work together and provide what students need when they need it and then move them in a pipeline um, through that they can get to the highest credential that, that they're seeking. So being very um, intentional about that um, is, I think, something that we need to start thinking about now. Mm-hmm. In more of a short-term version, you mentioned um, recruitment, competition for students. I know that, that Georgia Southern basically since the early 80s has exploded and has really grown and and become, what, the fourth or fifth largest fifth. school in the state? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think most people – well, not most people, but there is this perception that people aspire to go to Georgia, Georgia Tech. And, of course, Georgia, Georgia Tech can't take everybody. So then Georgia Southerns and Kennesaws and Georgia State competes for, for everybody else. Um, can you kind of talk about where you see that going? And does it reach beyond our state's borders in terms of competition? Sure. Um, the reality of, of the projections for high school students, which of course is our pipeline, is that in the near future, um, it will peak and then slow. Um, the In Georgia, we will not be as negatively impacted as some of the other areas like the Northeast and the Midwest. Um, and so we will still have a pipeline. However, in southeast Georgia, we are seeing a population decline, which we need to be mindful of as well. So it becomes um, not only a question of us having students who perhaps um, wanted to go to Georgia or Georgia Tech but choose um, Georgia Southern, but also thinking about those other states where their population decline has been more significant. And therefore, they're going to be coming into the Atlanta market, which is where we get a, a fifth of our freshman class, um, and marketing to students to come to states like New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, etc., um, and so we're in competition with them. And so the onus on us is trying to figure out how to provide them with the appropriate academic programs so that they can get jobs and also how to um, make it as affordable for those students to stay here in Georgia. So raising outside money um, and being able to provide scholarships um, for students to go to college will be very important. I think that will be one of the things that I, if I were on the search committee for the new president, I would be looking at a good track record of fundraising for every aspect Mm -hmm. of um, 
a college education and providing mm -hmm. students with uh, a more affordable higher educational experience. Yeah, I think one thing that really gets overlooked in our state's economic growth over the last couple of decades is a lot of people look at it and say, well, the political situation is doing this and the folks in Atlanta are doing this. What it really comes down to is the, the, the homegrown brains that were growing here and that they're being educated here in the state and they're staying in the state. Is that that's correct. That accurate? Yeah, that's we're we are responsible for creating that pipeline to to a robust economy. Um, and we're in the knowledge business. Mm -hmm. And the way we um, transmit that knowledge is um, through teaching our students and of course through doing research in our universities as well. And we need to make sure that it is as accessible as possible to all of our uh, citizens and that it's also affordable. So being able to provide good quality educational experiences in a way that um, people can afford without going into a whole lot of debt. Right. Uh, one thing that and I think this kind of ties back to what you were a little bit to what you're talking about earlier in terms of of stacking credentials is students choosing to start at a two-year school and and then after they get their associate's degree or when they get close they start looking at where they're going to finish at uh where does georgia southern or or not even georgia southern the any of the four-year schools in the state how can they tap into that resource and is that a pipeline that you anticipate will will help fill um enrollment in your school I um, think we need to be much more intentional about that. Um, we currently have a pipeline with East Georgia College. They are in Statesboro. Mm -hmm. um, we are have plans to actually move um, those students onto our campus to be in even more intentional about it. Um, we're also growing our relationships with the technical colleges throughout the region here in Savannah and also um, in Statesboro. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of us all, you know, being able to figure out how we can provide the best opportunities for our students whenever they come to us and whatever their needs are. And if we're not the right one, um, making sure they get to the, to the educational experience that best need, meets their needs. Right. One interesting thing about the, the consolidation here was the whole idea that, that Georgia Southern can play a bigger role in the local economy. And I know that there are some, some partnerships. Obviously, healthcare care is, is a big business here in Savannah, and there's a lot of health care uh, majors and education going on at, at the Armstrong campus. Education is another one. I know that you have some, uh, at least the, the genesis of an idea of, of a program you're working with with uh, the Savannah Chatham County Public Schools. Can you kind of talk about how all that ties together and, and where we go forward in terms of those connections? Well, I met with um, Superintendent Levette last week and very excited about the relationship that we're building there. Um, the fact that we have now those three colleges here uh, in savannah at our armstrong campus um, particularly the college of education we are able to um, help her develop one of her dreams which she was a part of um, when she was in the yale community and that is a birth to kindergarten 
program where you are utilizing not only educational resources to help families and students from a very early age um, with academics, but also the support services to make healthy um, families and healthy students. So we all know that um, people learn better when they are healthier. Um, if you're in a better place physically and emotionally, you can um, be more receptive to learning. So being able to be um, a part of that movement along with our partner here in Savannah, uh, Chatham, is exciting for us. And we really are looking forward to what that will be. I think we're all, you know, still don't even know what it'll look like. Um, we're at the very early stages of the development, but um, it has great promise um, for for this whole region. Right. And Georgia Southern, as a research institution, there's a lot of resources that are now, I don't want to say available because they were available before, just Georgia Southern was in Statesboro, and, and now that there is a presence here, I think maybe there's a little bit more of a connectedness with the local business community, and and I take it you, you anticipate a... Uh, this evolving and becoming more integrated in terms of the local economy and the local businesses? Uh, Georgia Southern has a great brand. Um, we are very well liked by our um, the employers in this region, and people tell me, you know, they love our graduates. We come um, they come with not only the educational knowledge, the theoretical, but also the hands-on experience. We're very well known for um, making sure our students are ready to hit the ground running when they take a job. So very excited that, that we are here in a big way now in this market. I think we have a lot of synergies um, to connecting the brand of Georgia Southern with the major employers in this area, which are... Um, in education, in healthcare, in logistics. Um, the ports and Gulfstream play huge roles um, in this arena, and we, you know, we love being part of all that. A very important topic when it comes to higher education, at least from a parent's point of view, of parents of, of school-aged children, is the whole idea of student finance. And I know with your background with the, the Student Finance Commission, you, you've seen a lot of data, you dealt with it on a day-to-day -day basis. Where do you feel, not just Georgia Southern, but maybe Georgia schools in general are in terms of, of affordability? Well, let me start out by saying, you know, the state of Georgia is, um, does a really good job of providing a higher educational opportunity for its citizens at a very low cost. Affordability is on everybody's mind. We are very cognizant of um, increases for tuition and fees and what that does to our families' pocketbooks. So we are mindful about making sure that we don't raise tuition. The Board is, is, of Regents is responsible for that. And over the past several years, it's been under 2% uh, averaging over the last five years. So, um, you know, trying hard to think about what tuition should be and what fees should be. Mm -hmm. um, what we can do is to help families and students understand long before they even get to college um, what the costs are likely to be and how to start planning um, for that experience because there is a cost. Um, the state picks up a, a fairly large portion, but families and students have to pay for that. 
And what we'd like to see happen is students not having to take out a large loan Mm -hmm. um, in order to complete their college education. And you would be surprised at the number of students who get to their senior year and don't have enough money to complete their education, um, at which, you know, is two, two problems. They don't then have the degree that they wanted, so they won't be able to get the job that they wanted and therefore won't have the income uh, to pay back the, the debt that they have already taken out. So thinking that all the way through means that we need to do a better job of educating people on what the costs are and will be for your college education and then how to pay for it as you go. Mm-hmm. And also, I think the onus is on the university to raise outside funding so that we can help those students, particularly in those last couple of semesters where you're running up short because of some personal um, emergency that happened and you don't have that last $500, whatever it is. And so raising outside money um, so that we can help students finish is a goal that I think we, we have for our students. Yeah, right? that's, that's an interesting thing because I know as I had a younger sibling and my parents made it pretty clear that, you know, your first couple of years of college, you know, we're going to be there. We got you, we got your back. We'll help fill in the gap. But once that second child comes in or in some families' cases, third or fourth, the money gets a little bit tight. It gets stretched a little bit farther. And then how do you plug that gap? And the whole idea that uh, that there could be some some funding mechanisms to help students finish is is a pretty big deal. Absolutely, and then I think it goes back to what I was saying again. You know, some students may work while they're going to college. A lot of them do now. Mm-hmm. Um, others may decide. I'm going to, you know, take this many courses and then I'm going to work for another semester or whatever. And being able um, to provide that flexibility to students so that they really don't drop out. They stay engaged with us um, and continue working on whatever credential they're trying to achieve um, at a pace where they can keep, you know, a balanced personal life, but also be engaged in uh, the pursuit of an academic program. Right. And some of it, the parents can help prepare. There's, There's tools out there now, 529, which is offered through the state of Georgia, Coverdell accounts, um, just and there's a lot of money out there if you look for it. What can I guess from your perspective? What can parents do to better up their financial literacy when it comes to having their kids getting ready to go to college? It is one of the most complex pieces of the puzzle of higher education. I don't know why we make it so hard. Um, <laughs> it, it really is difficult, and I think if you've ever had to fill out a FAFSA, which is the federal form for student aid, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, it just goes on forever, and it's very intrusive. Um, but. What you can do, obviously, is to start early, Mm -hmm. um, start understanding what is required to really look into financial aid and look into scholarships, be engaged with the high school counselors. They are clued into a lot of this, but also reach out to major universities because we have resources and people who have a better understanding of the bigger financial aid picture and are very willing to help parents and students understand you know what lays ahead of them and how to navigate that 
crazy world called yeah. financial aid. You know what's interesting about that is a recent change in the law now where you can use college education plans for high school, middle school, elementary school. I wonder if that will increase the understanding or if it will basically mean more families have less of that money set aside when their kids get to college. I don't know that there's a question there, but it just kind of popped into my head. Another thing that students can do to help um, save, you know, the cost of college is to be engaged in the dual enrollment program. Right. So while you're in high school, you can access college uh, credits and courses um, through any of your local public higher ed um, um, institutions, private as well, and you know really stack up those um, credits before you even you know are fully a college student and that lessens the burden financially and gets you out quicker as well because yeah, most of those programs are are free there's no additional absolutely cost, right? it's yeah. free to the student well president nickel thank you for coming in it's it's been a lot of fun and uh look forward to talk to you again before uh before they name a successor thank you thank you it's been a pleasure to be here adam Re- really appreciate it <laughs>